0: What's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFindAsia, co-host of and main channel podcast, and the host of the SourceFindAsia YouTube channel. Still in Manila. I, was just, I said in my previous intro, I was like, I might never leave. Maybe I'll just disappear into, into these Manila streets, into the ether. But um, yeah, in this episode, I got to sit down with two guys who have become good friends of mine. Um, Evan Morris, uh, Evan Tate, sorry, and Ro Morris uh, from Buddha, Brutal Buddha, which is a sort of yoga men's... Um, accessory uh, brand they've started off specifically with yoga shorts Um, and I mean the whole concept is this is a brand for you know the type of guy who maybe plays rugby play lifts um, goes to the gym sort of a man a manly manly man um, who also is doing yoga and doesn't want to spend a ridiculous amount of money on things like lululemon pants right or shorts um so it's been really interesting seeing their journey just because first of all, Evan has known China Mike since college, which is i didn't know that until like I met Evan last year and I've been tangentially um around these guys like we all we have the same social social circle like they've known Harrison for a few years uh they knew Carl Carl used to hang out with them a lot when he lived in hong kong um he's they've known Nick Remiel and um a lot of the guys that I, I'm from, familiar with through friend, uh, through EnterChina and through China Mike, it's like, but we just never met. Like, I knew of them, they knew of me, but, you know, uh, it's weird how life works out like that. But one, around the time when Evan and, and Ro decided to, I mean, they're in finance in Hong Kong, right? So they're essentially in, in, in the banking industry in Hong Kong. And I guess they got influenced by all the people that they were surrounded by, the EC people, even though they were not EC members, I think they recently became, they joined the Accelerate program uh, like a few months ago. But and I used to joke that they were kind of taking the the ghetto version of, of EC because they're around people in EC and getting all this free advice. But um, yeah, I think they just got influenced by all these people that are launching e-commerce businesses and eventually decided to, to jump into it themselves. And I, I find it fascinating because I'm so used to the, I'm so used to people coming from the West to Asia to start an e-commerce business or some sort of some form of entrepreneurship in Asia. Um, it's a little bit different hearing from guys who moved to Asia or specifically Hong Kong to be in the corporate world and then have now started to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. So that you know, it's a, they're just kind of like in a different category. And I, I thought it was interesting talking to them about that. And then also. Um, they kind of did it differently from a lot of people. I know a lot of people, you know, look to just basically join and enter China and, and get as much resources as possible up front. Whereas they decided they wanted to sort of learn how to do things um as you go, as they went and, and tap into their network of a bunch of people that were experts, um, or just had a lot of experience. And that's, you know, kind of how I ended up meeting Evan and Ro the first time, um, like officially meeting them the first time was just sat down and and I think uh, Evan bought me lunch and we just sat down and he picked my brain about sourcing and stuff like that. So it's been cool to see their progress. It's a year later now, they've been getting sales on the website through ads, uh, they redesigned the website, the website looks great right now, Um, and then they're launching a crowdfunding campaign soon. So. I think it should be not too long from now, maybe a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I've been talking for a minute <laughs> and a little bit more than a minute, but there was a lot to say in the intro. Hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. And keep in mind, uh, this is also available as a video on YouTube. I think you should check out the video because there was a lot of cool clips where we filmed It was in between IFC Tower 1 and Tower 2 in Hong Kong and, uh, you know, there was like, Evan ended up doing a little bit of yoga afterwards like it was just it was a cool really cool video I like how it was shot
1: I don't want to be a product of my environment I want my environment to be a product of me
0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Sourcefin Asia, host of the Made in China podcast, and the host of the Sourcefin Asia YouTube channel. We're here in beautiful Hong Kong, hanging out at the IFC. Is the IFC two or one? We're dead smack in the middle, right between the right between one. So many, so many jokes that I could have made from that, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna touch on that. Hanging out with Evan and Row. This has been a long time coming. Uh, We're talking about their transition from the banking industry in Hong Kong, 95s, into becoming e-commerce entrepreneurs. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. What brought you to Hong Kong?
2: Yeah, it's a good question, man. So I've been here three years now. Uh, Originally grew up in the U.S. And to be honest, man, it was opportunity. So you mentioned I've been working in the banking space, very specifically financial technology. But I basically saw that you know there's a lot of opportunity here and had really learned how to um, do business and build connections in the West, in the US, and wanted to really focus on learning this part of the world at a relatively young age.
1: Cool. Evan? Yeah, so I'd say there's some similar elements. I caught the travel bug when I did my master's in Spain. So I pivoted actually in university. I was uh, studying medicine and working in the ER and in the hospitals in Florida. And I realized one day that I really wanted to do international business. So as I was working at a technology consulting firm in Florida, after the first two years, I had a, a client that was based in Singapore. And I started to just get really curious about Asia in general, how business operates in Asia, and really just to go explore other parts of the world. So I started to raise my hand for the opportunity, and that's what brought me here in the first place, and I'm coming up on five whole years. Nice. It's been a ride. It's been a crazy ride. So five years, did you,
0: when you first came here, did you think that you'd be here for that long, or was it just kind
1: of like, I'll see what happens? I really came thinking it would be two years. Uh, It was originally a two-year assignment, where I was meant to expand the APAC operations for my company. And after six months of successfully starting to do that, I just caught the entrepreneurial bug. Yep. I was hanging around people doing incredible things from manufacturing all types of products to Internet of Things technologies. Talking about me, right? Like
2: just all just like yeah, I was
1: hanging
0: out with around Rico and Rico's just like, <laughs> amazing.
2: Precisely, precisely. I was just like man, I gotta wish you would have met you earlier. I, man. I do think that's I do think that's right
1: when I started to meet you and Nick and the rest of the guys. But yeah. Um, overall, you know, I, I just started to see what is possible in the world of entrepreneurship. And I jumped into uh, a startup company, two of them, right after my first year in corporate here. So it's been back and forth a bit, but you know, doing both at the same time is, is the best.
0: And, and uh, what about you? Did you think that you were going to be here for this long? Or...
2: So similar, I was thinking two years two years, feel it out, and see yeah, how it I feel, is. I feel like everybody, like even for me, it's like, I yeah. like
0: two to three years in China like kind of thing. Like, everybody has that like two to three year kind of thing. Really. Yeah,
2: exactly, man. And to be honest, you know, growing up, I didn't know much about China, and I actually had no desire to go to China. And really, it was back in 2013, I had a good friend of mine from college who moved out here and started his own uh, custom men's suit company. He invited me out to Shanghai and Beijing and my eyes were just opened at China and the opportunity out here. And as a kid growing up, I always had this impression that Hong Kong was this big, crazy city of opportunity. And so rather than going directly to China, I thought, you know, let's start out in Hong Kong. So I have a couple
0: questions around that. uh, But one thing I want to address is obviously you and Mike have known each other for a very long time, China Mike. And that's kind of how we got connected. Yeah, yeah. Can you just explain your relationship with Mike?
1: Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to have met Mike all the way back in college. We used to play basketball together probably five, six days a week. Uh, it was just a ritual, you know, getting out on the court for at least two or three hours, sometimes up to five or six, court one, of course court one. And China Michael talk about those days where we were just, you know, nose to the grind. Playing as hard as possible, working on our studies as hard as possible, going out as hard as possible. I don't know. I don't
0: know if he was working on this studies.
2: <laughs> like, Work you with know.
1: a U. Yeah. We made attempts. I made attempts, but that was my introduction into uh, you know moving into China. And he was out here for several years before I actually started thinking about moving internationally permanently. And uh, once I got the opportunity through my original company, Gartner. I rang him up and I said, Hey man, I'm I'm about to head out there. We gotta sync up. So he was a huge inspiration for me from the beginning. So when you you called him up, what what did Mike say?
0: He's like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Like this is, this place is amazing. Like, what what did he he say?
1: Strap your laces, man. It's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Things are very different than the West. Yep. Uh, You're going to learn at an accelerated pace. And he nailed it. I mean, that's what it's been for the last five years. Just learning so many different things. So nice.
0: So going back to something that you said that made me think about something is: it, Did you travel a lot as a kid,
2: like when you were younger? I did, yeah. So actually, I grew up. Uh, my dad was career military in for almost thirty years, and I come from a long generation. I was actually the first um, son of the family to not go into the military. So, uh, <laughs> you know, pros and cons of it's that. Like Dave, Chappelle, so. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle has
0: that joke where he's like. I was actually the first, like, non-slave kid to not go to college. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like a brutal joke, but it's kind of, like, so funny because, you know.
2: Yeah, and, you know, um, (laughs) growing up, I moved every one to two years. And uh, I've been to 50 countries. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a naturally curious person. And, you know, I have a a personal goal of traveling to a new country every year. And I'm going to do that between now and, you know, the rest of my life, so... That's the plan.
0: Yeah, you uh, even from the first time I met you, you strike me as somebody who has experienced a lot at a young age. Um, so yeah, that makes sense that you, you come from this military background and like travel a lot as a kid. Like, does it doesn't seem like anything phases you, kind of thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's probably just the way I was brought up. Yeah. you know, it's kind of um, you know work hard be ready for anything. And when you move to different countries, I lived in Germany, I lived in Australia before I lived here, you just have to get used to being uncomfortable in, in new environments. And you know, what excites me so much about taking this step from corporate into entrepreneurship is, you know I have it in my blood. You yeah. know, my family are all entrepreneurs. So I, I mentioned my dad was military, but my brother has his own cybersecurity startup. My mom has her own marketing and PR firm. Nice. My stepmom has her Mm. own uh, eye doctor practice. So you know, I'm just, I'm I'm super amped to to be on this journey. To jump into it, It, similar to me,
0: similar to me in that sense. Like my parents are all entrepreneurs, and um, growing up as 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 a kid, I just like people always ask me, it's like, oh, so when we started SFA, I restarted SFA like when I was twenty two, twenty three. He was like, yeah, oh, was that like intimidating or whatever? I was like, no, it was just kind of like a natural thing because I just saw my parents being entrepreneurs as a kid and it just seemed like that's the way to go. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a, like a daunting thing for me. Um, I guess we were talking about this before we started the, the podcast. You guys have been in Hong Kong five plus years surrounded by a bunch of entrepreneurs. My audience is mostly people that are Becoming entrepreneurs from the jump. What was that like being like around like in this group of people and the, the sort of social circles that you're in and you know all these guys are doing like e-commerce stuff and you guys are in the banking. Was that ever like a thing or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were you always like in the back of your head like eventually I'm gonna
1: jump into it? So. yeah, I think right off the bat, I always saw such an amazing opportunity to learn really quickly. So I think on my third day Moving to Hong Kong, I was introduced to Nick Ramil, and from there I was able to meet guys like Monov and Bay at Brink. Uh, I was able to attend tons of their networking events. You know, Peter Thiel came to town. This was all in my first two three months, so I knew somewhere in the back that's, of my that's, mind
0: that's that's China for yeah, you. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, it's just like, that, just just uh, right? yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: even though I was, you know, still Luke, if you're watching, <laughs> keep your eyes open. Yeah. So. Even though I was still corporate, I knew that I could start instilling some of my entrepreneurial capabilities into my day to day. And I started going to tons of networking events, startup events, I was, you know, I flew to Barcelona to go to Mobile World Congress and to entrepreneurial events and networking opportunities. But being around guys like Nick and Monav and Bay and, and, and Bashar and the rest of them really helped me to see what's, ca- what's possible if you just go after your dreams, right? These guys were building an IoT accelerator platform. Exactly. They were back to back, you know, sitting in a tiny little room from scratch, yeah. They had a vision of building a hundred-person-plus company and impacting the world, right? To,
0: to be fair, uh, one of them was a billionaire, so like, it wasn't like uh, it was Facebook starting up in a college dorm, kind of. Yeah, thing. Like, yeah. Hey, but I didn't know. I remember, that I remember Nick Nick telling me that the first meeting he had with one of with the with the, all the the founders, one of uh, the founders, I'm not going to say the name, was in the process of negotiating buying like the fucking. I think it was like the Hilton Hotel in London. I it was like a $600 million building. <laughs> I, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, your founders are quite different from my founders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little different, a
1: little different. But yeah. that, that's, who I, that's who I was surrounded by. And, you know, it was almost like osmosis. I just caught the entrepreneurial bug. I really wanted to learn fast. And uh, I just decided to go for it. And that's where I partnered up with Monav. And, and we started uh, Passport X, which was a mobile app helping people to travel cross-border. And get the information they needed quickly for e-visas and health and safety information. So,
2: and I think the biggest thing for me is is just execution. I mean, for years, I mean, I've been at my corporate now for almost eight years, and I've had I, I like coming up with ideas, and I have all these grandiose things I want to do. But I think being surrounded by all these guys like Nick, Manov, Bay, etc., it makes you stop ideating and just doing right. Mm. So, you know. I started a company in college and, you know, it was basically a digital marketing company and it was right after the um, financial crisis, so we couldn't get funding. So that was, you know, my first kind of foray into into the startup scene. But here it was like, let's stop talking about building this business. Let's pick something and let's let's build it.
0: Okay, so you had those forays into entrepreneurship before you're surrounded by all these cool people before we talk about what you guys are doing right now with before we talk about what you guys are doing right now with Brutal Buddha, can you just tell me about the scene in Hong Kong? Like as people that have lived here for five years from the States, like just talk about your experiences here, the the, the sort of people that you've met, your work and that kind of stuff.
1: For sure. Well, I would say it's you know, the best of all worlds. So Most people associate Hong Kong with a very condensed New York City in Asia. And the reality is, although it definitely has tons of elements of work hard, play hard, you know, like rat race-esque, it still has so much nature surrounding it. So, you know, you can go on a hike so easily just outside of the city. There's yoga studios across the island, all over Kowloon. Um, So, you know, it's the type of place that you can find just about anything, no matter who you are, which is what I found so interesting in the beginning, right? So I'd say Hong Kong is, is a place that anybody can thrive in. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Nice.
2: Yeah, I, I, I will say though, at the same time, like you either you either like it or you don't. You don't really have people who are, you know, in the middle. I kind of like Hong Kong or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you, you either are all in or you don't want to be here, right? Yeah. So. I, I think you need to have, you know, a mentality where, you know, you you want to get things done. You want to hustle a little bit, but you know it does have, uh, as Evan mentioned, right, the kind of more relaxed kind of get out in the environment, do a yoga practice, um, hit a hike, all that, which somewhere like New York City doesn't really have. Yeah.
1: And don't forget the fun. I mean, this place no, is fun, absolutely well insane. Yep. When I, when I first moved here. In my, I'd say in my first six months, I was going out, exploring, partying, you know, just checking out Hong Kong left and right from across the island. And, you know, I would say anyone who comes here can see that it, it has tons of clubs, tons of bars that you can check out. But it's more than that, right? There's, you know, uh, high like uh, sky bars in Ozone on Kowloon side. Just something for everyone, really.
0: Yep. I mean, it's like I told you last night, I was like, I just want to see, I want to touch the city. I'm back at seven o'clock in the morning, so (laughs) (laughs) it's a little touch. Just 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 touch the city, man. Um, Yeah, no, Hong Kong is. I always joke like I feel like it's an adult playground in some sense, um, which is kind of dangerous uh, in some ways. But uh, asking, uh, going off of that, like, how do you guys keep your focus Mm -hmm. here? How do you not go out all the time and hang out with cool people all the time and have all the fun? Mm -hmm. I
2: think you got to look at your. You know, priorities, man. So, been here three years, Evan's been here five, and have done a lot of partying. Um, but I think you gotta really look at what is it you really want, right? So, personally, I'm in a stage now, and that's a huge reason why we started Brutal Buddha where health is my number one priority, right? I mean, I want to spend that same time and energy I put into partying into, you know, going to the gym. Yeah hitting a yoga practice, um, making sure that, you know, my mind is really at ease, right? Because when you're going, you know, 17 hours a day, um, that little amount of free time that you have, if you spend it partying, um, it's not gonna help you get to where you wanna go. And we're building an amazing company that, you know, we need to be laser focused in these areas, otherwise it's just not gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I remember from my high school basketball days, my coach always said to us in the locker room, before and after games, no one gives a fuck. Just nobody cares. Nobody cares whether you win or lose. Deep down, you know, maybe you have your, your parents, your family, a few close friends care for a couple days, but in one year from now, no one's gonna really care. Right? Yeah. You might, if, if, you, if you do the right things, you're gonna have a banner up that you can always come back to and look at and show your kids. But other than that, nobody cares. And that's, that's followed me through life. It, the reality is what you're working on, what you're doing, it's all about the impact, right? <laughs> And after a couple of years of, of just kind of coasting, you know, working really hard and working smart, but not, not putting like every single millisecond, we joke about it, but every single <laughs> millisecond into things that are aligned with your vision, with the impact that you want to leave for the world, the legacy you want to leave, um, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So that transition happened for me a couple years ago uh, to where our, you know, I'm starting to explore other ways to release energy instead of just the, the fun and the partying.
0: So it kind of leads into starting Brutal Buddha. Buddha, um, you started like a year and a half ago, or two years ago. About a year, just under a year, just just under yeah. a year. But you started talking about it though a while because we met like we met like the first time we officially
1: met was a little bit over a year ago mm-hmm. in Guangzhou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, just over a year ago we started talking. It yeah. took us, I'd say, two three months to really yeah. decide on it, yeah. make that make that finite decision. Uh, last summer, late summer, so. I'd say like mid-July last year is when we started to execute the very first steps. So
0: talk to me about that, like why did you guys both decide to work together, Um, what were the initial steps, the people that you reached out to, leveraging your network, that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we, so how we met is we were actually introduced by a mutual friend in the US. Um, And it's funny, you know, the very first night we met up. Basically right right in LKf <laughs> is uh, <laughs> we talked about you know our history, what we're interested in, and we both immediately had this commonality of we're in these corporate jobs, we've tried startups, but we haven't quite gotten them to that next level and so it was immediate that you know we were gonna eventually build something um, and I think you know. When I look back to, Evan mentioned, you know, there was a few months where we were in this ideation stage where, you know, we, we basically drew out this list of, you know, hundred of our interests and passions. We aligned them both, and we were like, wow, you know, I don't care about this, you really care about this, we both really care about this. And we were like, we've got to be really passionate about what we build, and that's how we agreed on really going after the yoga space Um, because we think there's a lot of opportunity and we personally are big into yoga ourselves and so it was like a light bulb went off that, you know, this is really what we want to do.
0: And um, so there was just like, just that light bulb moment when you're making a list and saying, okay, this is that, I don't care about this, this is where we align and you guys just started doing yoga. I think so, I mean, the, the concepts of the sort of Buddha Buddha aspect is like we're still guys that lift we're still guys that are men's men but we also do yoga because it's, it's healthy right whereas like the perception of yoga is that it's it's a woman's exercise it's kind of soft it's for hippies and shit like that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah for sure for so, sure
0: so what uh, when did you guys have that shift in mentality about yoga
1: yeah, it was a problem we were trying to solve for ourselves yeah. first and foremost. So once we realized that yoga was a space we wanted to go after, and we went to the Canton Fair and we saw what types of yoga apparel and products were out there, we immediately realized that you know there's no amazing product for men that exists that covers all of the different uh, different things that they're trying to accomplish. So we we basically realized it's time to just make something that covers all of the problems that guys are facing so we interviewed literally thousands of guys to fully understand you know are they experiencing similar problems to us whether chafing or you know not having everything held in place down there uh, or style or comfort all in one right so we decided to fill those gaps and just go for it
0: yeah but again like going back to the the shift in mentality around yoga like Mm. when when did that happen
2: for you guys so, like, when did we start yoga? Or you When mean, did you
0: start yoga? When did you realize that this is not just a uh, girl's sport? That it was whatever, a good market like it, that was also a,
1: for product, for yeah. building the product. Yeah, yeah. I would say after initial research, we started to realize, one, guys that we were talking to, they were so into yoga, but yeah. they didn't really feel they had apparel options other than the major brands like maybe Nike and Lululemon. So they said, oh, well, you know, I have to go spend the 100 bucks for a pair of shorts because this is what's out there right yep. there's no other yoga brand so we realized this is an opportunity and our mindset completely shifted and we started just going balls to the wall trying to find different ways to uh, meet their demands i would yeah, say yeah
2: and I, I think you know i think you're absolutely right yoga has been seen as a women's you know mm-hmm. i won't call it a sport but activity yep. right and you just got to look sport. at the you just, you just got to look at the data i mean you know there's 16 million guys in the us that do yoga Um, That number is growing probably faster than women and You know, you got to really look at the benefits, right? The benefits of yoga are quite transformational Mm -hmm. and we truly believe that in the next five to ten years, you're gonna be seeing more and more guys doing yoga. Yeah That's cool.
0: Yeah, I did yoga in high school and I did uh, Yoga in college and I always just felt like afterwards. I always had a ton of energy because I'd, I'd play like soccer afterwards and like man, like like, man, I've never felt like this in my life, you know? Um, of course I started it because most of the people in the class were girls. But <laughs> you know, that's
2: another reason. <laughs> I didn't bring that one up, but it's a good one.
0: <laughs> but yeah, once I started doing it, I realized the benefits of, of, of
1: doing yoga. For sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. And I want to you know, also give some credit to my amazing partner. So she was really into Pilates when we first started dating. About five years ago, just over, and after going to one Pilates class with her, I realized that my core is really weak, right? And you know, I even, as, as much as you do sit-ups and crunches and all this, it's not the same as stabilizing. So I started to kind of dabble in yoga classes a little bit more because uh, we were long distance for the first year, and in those classes, I started to get really into it. It, it felt like a really great warm-up for shout my. Out, my lifting. Shout out to Madison. Yeah, shout, shout out, out to Madison. So you know, together. Silent partner. Exactly. So together, we just started to go to more classes together, and it really grew she's, on me.
0: She's gonna play this video when she's suing you in ten years <laughs> <laughs> for equity. 50. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: No <laughs> right, joke. Gotta make some revenue first. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So, so continue. Sorry. Yeah. So you know, just want to highlight, at least from my own experience, it, it was a huge mindset shift because. She also helped me to see not just the physical benefits that Rose allude into, but also the mental benefits, right? I, I feel like both Ro and I have been in high intensity, high stress type of roles in our entire careers. And even back in university, we were constantly working on the go. So it was so nice to find something that really does give us, as active guys, amazing balance, right? Like true balance, not just going out and having a, a beer at the end of a workday but something that is so good for your life on a day-to-day basis, and over time is starting to prove even more beneficial.
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest, actually Madison is who got me into yoga as well. So, uh, you know, so she, really is, she, she at put Horizon. a, yeah, she like at, a a, at a wellness bad. event, and I, and I tried it out, and the rest is history, man. I should be interviewing Madison right now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so you mentioned talking to thousands of Guys and stuff like that. Like, what were some of the initial things that you noticed, and what were the practical steps that you took in terms of designing the the yoga tire?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear that you know. So we've reached we reached out to a lot of guys on well, initially friends, right? Guys that did yoga, and a few of them, you know, basically said, "Yeah, you know." my shorts are okay or I really like these shorts or I don't like these. I mean, we were, we were really looking at it from a, from a pain point, point of view, right? So less about kind of the product itself, but really it was more how to go deep into really learning. There's this concept of you know customer discovery, right? This guy that Steve Blank talks about where you got to really go out and, and see are people having challenges, right? Get out, Get out of the building. Get out of the building. We're out of the building right now, so. Um, We just talked to guys, man. We talked to friends that did yoga. We reached out to random strangers on Facebook. Guys from class. Guys from class. And we just said, hey, man, like, do you struggle with anything in yoga? And we started noting, you know, noticing that, yeah, there were, you know, probably 30% of the guys were like, yeah, you know, I just, I really don't like this. Or I wish, you know, this could be improved and this could be improved. And we just collected all that data. We sent out surveys and, uh, you know, when it comes to the actual design, you got this guy right here. I mean, he's a fashionista, so he, uh, he did the first design, um, taking all the feedback, and we just validated it with everyone. And to be honest, man, we were moving at lightning speed at the beginning. So, I mean, yes, we've been working at this for a year, but when you think about it, we went from idea to physical product in four months, mm. where we really needed the help. And this is where partners like EC and others Came into play is how do you scale, right? Like we we really want to scale this business, right? Um, and and so that's that's how it happened.
0: So speaking of which, you 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 said you, at the beginning it was lightning lightning fast. Um, we met around the, the time at the at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what were your earliest struggles? What was the most difficult
1: thing in that initial four months? I'd say it was mostly fully validating right? So in our minds, just because we spoke to a lot of guys and they had these pain points, we didn't necessarily know if they would pay money, right? To change, is it a a strong enough problem to actually take your wallet out, swipe your card, and pay a certain amount of money for it, right? Or is it just something that they can deal with, right? Wear gym shorts and figure it out as they go. So that was one on the validation standpoint. As it related to working with some of the factories that we started talking to in the beginning we did things slightly out of order traditionally (laughs) we weren't really sure what's a legit factory you know how do we how do we go into manufacturing when we're at canton fair how do we know what's a what's a valid price point and what's not so for us it was it was kind of like navigating through the forest through the trees so to speak and you know there were some tough tough points but the reality is we were able to get some samples made pretty quickly and from those samples, uh, we were able to get them out to market, and we got some great feedback from yoga teachers men male yoga teachers. So, we're actually all people.
2: wearing them right now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: These are them. The Brutal Buddhas. Out.
2: So you said this is the initial prototype. This is the first one. You're, you're wearing probably the second prototype second that we prototype, made. Yep. yep. Are we out here. Brutal. How do they feel, man? Comfortable. Very comfortable. Yeah. Yep. Anything you would change? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it off, the, off, off right. camera. <laughs> um,
0: actually, that brings up a, a good point that I was thinking about. Is like, so you guys had the nine to five, and then you start this business. I think a little you longer
2: guys, than nine to five. Uh, uh, you get <laughs> the nine to nine, nine to twelve o'clock in the morning. Or,
0: <laughs> but you guys have done the opposite of what most of the people that I talk to do. How did you balance? working as hard as you guys work on your actual jobs and then starting the company?
2: Honestly, man, this gets back to your point about, you know, how do people spend their time and you just have to really look at what do you want in life, right? And just had to cut out the partying. And at the same time, we had to get over, you know, some of our own egos, right? Like, if we're struggling with something if it's taking us weeks and weeks, even months, to do something that should be taking you a few days, something wrong with that, right? So we gotta, we gotta really ask for help. We gotta work with partners, and you know, it's completely naive for Evan and I to think that we can build this product business on our own, right? I mean, we need experts that have done it, and so that's that's what we started doing: is you know, focusing less on the partying. Not that we were really partying that much. Um, but then, really looking for help so in the areas where we,
0: sh- we
2: struggle. Yeah, we yep. still socialize. I mean, just in kind of smaller doses, in healthier ways as
1: well. Yeah, and I would say, on, from a time management perspective, it also, mm-hmm. you know, came down to really making sure that you're very efficient in your day to day. So, you know, just because you might have that quote unquote nine to five, which in our case is more like eight to nine, <laughs> um, it's all about being able to take a quick break, right? Being able to you know, go clear your mind and reset your priorities, not spend time in areas that aren't revenue generating or value generating. So we started to cut out things that don't really align with our vision as individuals and as a team with Brutal Buddha. We started cutting out, you know, going to mainland China to interview Uh, factories right that was a waste of time in the beginning we you know stopped having one hour long phone calls with guys that were maybe interested but more just wanted to chit chat right and we started to get very very uh i'd say meticulous with our time that was the major focus right so across the board we just started trimming the fat so to speak and that's helped us out a lot in our lives
2: yeah and to be honest you know we um we're all part of this group that you'd be very familiar of rico called Knox which is no excuses. <laughs> and, um, you know, for those of you that are not familiar with this group, you base, it's an accountability group. So you set your weekly goals, you have a weekly call, um, there's five of us in the group, and, you know, you track your progress every week. And once you start, you know, it's no excuses, right? You, you got to hit your goals. So um, once we started looking at our time, as Evan mentioned, and what we want to accomplish in that way, it became, you know, pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. You're either making progress or you're not.
0: Yeah. So you guys are launching a crowdfunding campaign or? Yeah. Yeah. When is, when is that? October 22nd. October What have, what have you done so far in terms of setting up the campaign and things like that? Like mm-hmm. what, what sort of practical so, steps have been taken?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the campaign <laughs> itself is, About eleven weeks away, so we're we're launching on uh, third week of October, and And we'll have a link in
0: the description when the we'll have a link in the description when the video comes out. Nice, appreciate that.
1: So the campaign is really just a a week by week plan, uh, tracking backwards from that date as to how we are going to execute on. Gathering the number of emails that we need for people who are very interested. So, we followed all of the steps in all of the phases through the Enter China Accelerate program, which you're very familiar with as well. And, you know, we've seen the results from companies like Kane Watches and Woody's, you know, Sunglass Company, and a variety of other incredible companies. And we decided to follow their footsteps. And what's, what's coming up in the next, uh, I'd say, just under you know, two and a half months is going to be a an absolute full focus on uh, getting those emails as mentioned but more importantly really making sure that we're following the steps as it relates to branding and cus- further customer discovery because we, we will actually be pre-selling the shorts right leading up to that campaign launch date and in doing so we're going to be on the phone pretty much 24 7. so you know out and funny enough our cu- Calendly Uh, Link actually has times all the way up to 1 a.m. and then starting at 6 a.m. So if you want to speak to us other than the five hour minimum sleep that we need every night We're open and free for it (laughs) And the reason for that is because we want to explain on an individual basis the value of having You know yoga in your life and what the Brutal Buddha shorts can do for you if you if you make the investment
0: Nice yeah, some people. Some people might actually call you at six, they, they been, 4 o'clock in the morning. 6, <laughs> <laughs> I've had at
1: least 15 6 a.m. calls yeah. in the last four months during yeah. customer discovery, and right. I love them. I thrive on them.
0: When uh, when I was starting SFA, it was yeah, I was doing the uh, two o'clock in the morning yep. phone calls and things like that. like, now I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not I doing feel that. Like anymore. You have to do that, man. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really have Especially to. Especially that time zones. Like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, hey, it's part of our motto, right? We say stay brutal for yep. a reason, right? And then we've incorporated it to become Namaste Brutal, right, Namaste Brutal. So it really is the yin and the yang. And this is where Brutal Buddha was born. We really started to think of a name and a logo that resembled our personal brands, but also what we want to accomplish with this brand. And it's helping extremely active guys, right, that are are seeking balance, find that balance. And stay active at the same time. You don't need to choose one or the other. You don't need to be full like meditative yogi, like you said. You also don't need to be the guy who's you know pumping iron only and playing rugby or basketball. It's really great to have that balance. And you know, for us, that's something that inspired us in the beginning and helped us to really drive this brand forward. Nice.
0: What? What's the? Where do you see the brand going in the future? So, like, let's say in five to ten years, where do you, where do you see? Do you want it to become the next Lululemon or like well, what,
2: what, what? So I think. First of all, we're definitely in the premium segment. Yeah. Um, so we're going for, you know, very high quality products. Um, and, you know, we are very much a men's health and wellness company, right? I mean our motto is to help men live longer and healthier lives. And so as we build, you know, our shorts is just our very first product, right? Um, we're gonna be building other products after that, but it needs to align to that vision, right? Um, so that's where I see the, the brand going.
1: And yourself? Yeah, I would I would say very similar. Uh, five, 10 years is a pretty long time horizon. I can say in the next three years, we'll definitely be taking this business to scale. We're looking to move into other markets. So US is our primary focus right now, although we're also going after Canada and parts of Europe and Australia. But our mission is, like Ro said, to. You know help men live longer healthier lives and you know It's not just men who want to live their own longer healthier lives It's the women in their family the children that they bring into the world right their, their parents It's it's a very sad thing when men, you know only live to 50 or 60 and we've all seen it at some point in our lives, right? Uh, whether close or not and We do feel that you know, it doesn't have to be so tough men can You know, wake up in the morning and not feel the aches and pains in their neck and back and their shoulders, and can go to sleep at night feeling rested and not not so strung out. And that's what we really aim to accomplish. So if you if we talk five to ten years, the hope and the hope and the goal for us would be that you know we see yoga exponentially growing in in uh, you know in the world, but specifically for men, right, who who can just kind of let their egos go and say, look, I'm going to start doing yoga whether at home or in a class or in a small group setting. So, hard to say five, 10 years, but uh, we feel really confident in the next three, four years, for sure. Nice. Um, what were some of, I know it's still early days,
0: but what are, what have been your early successes? What yeah, I mean, I, this
2: brand? I mentioned earlier, right, that we went from idea to product. We built a like a really, honestly, a shitty website. Um, and, we sold 50 pairs of shorts, right? So we validated the market. So I would say that was a huge success. I would say, secondly, the first time we sold a pair of shorts to a complete random stranger on the internet, again, we found that very big success. Um, you know, I think thirdly- Do you
0: remember Do you remember where those shorts went? Do you remember the,
2: the customer location? I know exactly who he was. Um, it was a guy named Nelson who lives in West Virginia, uh, 62 years old and the guy was so amped about getting these shorts and i was i was baffled that he wanted these shorts so bad because (laughs) the photo i was showing him was horrible i was like man i would not buy these shorts i cannot believe you want to buy shout out to nelson number one i love you nelson and uh you know that was a huge success right um at the same time there's been there's been you know failures as well right like we we learned from very early on that your digital presence is extremely important um and I, I i think we've struggled in that area right you know evan and i are not digital marketing guys and so this gets back to my point where we have to use people who are really experts in this space to help us to help us scale
0: you i mean you recently redesigned your website um so i, I guess you're working with a designer right? Like. So what's, what's that whole process like? How have you been outsourcing some of the, the tasks that you're not particularly skilled at?
1: So we've outsourced to somebody based in Europe and we're working very closely with this lady. She's been teaching us along the way how to actually implement some of the uh, extensions, so to speak, into Shopify website. and. I would say, across the board, she's been unbelievable help. She wants us to win because she believes in the brand, right? So, of course, there's a, you know, commercial transaction there, but it was very affordable. And for us, it was extremely helpful to learn at an accelerated pace. In the beginning, we were trying to learn things like Unbounce. How do we use Shopify to, you know, install Sumo.me? And they all seem relatively easy on the front end. But as we start to incorporate a few different plugins, we don't really know exactly how they integrate with each other. Mm. And that's where we wanted to really just accelerate the pace.
2: Yeah, and you know, really just understanding that, you know, there's this term, right, that I keep kind of learning, you know, cheap is expensive, right? So you want to have this mentality where you're I very t- frugal. I, I talk about that all the time. We're very frugal, but at the same time, if you're building a, a, a men's luxury, you know, premium men's yoga short brand, you need to invest in, in high-quality photos, right? You need to have, um, you know, good-looking guys who who look like who look like your audience, right? So, it's a bit, you know, focusing on that as well.
0: Nice. Um, moving into closing questions, is because I'm worried that it's going to start raining. <laughs> um, what is the smallest thing that you've done that's brought you the largest results in life or business?
2: Mm, man, I could go on for a long time on that one. I mean, in the business, right, I think it gets back to what I just said, where it's really about focusing on that on that digital presence um, and, and really investing there. Um, in life, man, I think it's, you have to balance, you know, your own drive and direction with things and understanding that, you know, you're going to need help, so you need to take people's feedback into consideration. Um, you've got to remove hubris. Um, Evan and I go into, you know, we'll go back and forth a few times, and we disagree with each other. But you know, we're both. You got to look at the larger mission, right? We're both looking to help men live longer, healthier lives, and so as long as you, you know, kind of stay above that um, and really focus on that higher, higher being. Um, you know, it'll it'll work out in the end.
1: Yeah, smallest change for me personally has been uh, around the concept of integrity. So having integrity for myself, a lot of this has been driven by knocks. So if I'm making a goal on a Monday morning and I'm telling myself, not for anyone else, but myself that I'm going to accomplish this goal yeah. by next Monday, there's been times where I get to Sunday at 11 p.m. and I'm exhausted from the week and I know I have to wake up at 6 a.m., but I'm pulling, you know, going another two, three hours to get that goal done. Whether it's even simple as reading 40, 50 pages in a book, I might be two workouts behind, so I'm gonna go for a run and go hit the gym at midnight, whatever it takes, right? So it's this mentality shift that has really happened in my life because of Knox, because of the people we've surrounded ourselves with, that has not only poured over into our business, but into my personal life with my relationship, with Madison, with my relationship with my friends, you know, connecting with people back home, uh, my, my, my family and also just the, my overall uh, sense of gratitude and kindness for people around me right holding an elevator open for someone who's Maybe running to the elevator instead of just letting it close things of that nature that you don't really see too much in Hong Kong It's kind of osmosis effect. Yeah. where you just start acting like people around you and I'd say that shift even though it seems very small um, that type of integrity has, has paid off tenfold so far in the last year uh, and then as it relates to the business, like Rose said, decisiveness, right? Really trusting in in partners and saying, look, we're deciding to move forward with this. If we make a mistake, sure, you make a mistake. But moving forward is better than being gridlocked and going back and forth for so many hours or days on a topic that you could just learn really quickly by executing.
0: What are three books, podcasts, uh, blogs you'd recommend
1: people read, listen to? To this one's great. You yeah, I'm, I'm right in the heart of it right now. So, one is Tony Robbins Mastering the Game. He really helps you to think about not just money, but your life in general, how you're investing in yourself constantly, right? No matter what you do from the time you wake up to go to sleep every single day, you're investing time. You're investing money with what you eat, right? what you consume, and you're really investing in the energy of the, of the people around you, of what energy you decide to take in and what energy you give out. Uh, two other books, I'd say one that I listened to on audiobook a few months ago was a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Yep. And that one by Ben Horowitz is on fire. I mean, it, it gets you thinking about scaling a business, What's really hard about you know, taking a business from you know, five figures to six figures all the way up to eight to 10 figures and some of the hard decisions you'll have to make along the way. And then lastly, I've recently listened to one uh, by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Man, this is an unbelievable book. It hits home for me um, you know, because he experienced life in the Holocaust and he had to kind of talk about that experience through the book. He wanted to be completely anonymous and on the, on, the, on the second half of the book, he really goes into the concept of logotherapy and how people in general get so much out of suffering. They don't realize it in the moment. You know, We all suffer in our own way, shape, or form, but suffering holds a strong impact in all of our lives. So those are three that have hit home for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, Source Find Asia podcast, number one. But, Shout um, out, Source Find Asia. <laughs> coming to No, I mean, to be honest, I don't listen to podcasts that often, Um, but I did listen to Shoe Dog. um, Oh, we talked about that last time, yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, more like probably a couple of months ago. And that's about Phil Knight, who started Nike and really drawing a lot of what he learned and and applying it to Brutal Buddha.
0: I love that book because it kind of describes a lot of my experience coming to China. And, you know, it's kind of like sort of bullshitting your way until you actually get to the actual stage where you're mm. doing real business or whatever, but yeah. it's like, you know, he's like flying to Japan and pretending to have like a big business meeting, and yeah, then having yeah. and to I hit mean, up look, his dad. Look at for how Jack
2: Ma started Alibaba, right? Yeah, yeah. I And mean, he basically got in a room with a few of his friends and family, and they started, you know, basically selling their own products they own to each other, yeah. right? And it, you know, you got to fake it till you make it a little bit, right? Um, it's all about that network effect, so.
0: So yep, yeah, uh, so Shoe Dog, and then Made in That's China it, podcast, man. of course. That's <laughs> it. man. That's
1: all I got. <laughs> well, you recently read the Jack Ma book as well? Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I could so I could go Jack on, Ma's but I'd have a very long autobiography. Book. Yeah. What's the name? Um, it's just. Uh, I think it's just Jack Ma.
0: Jack Ma. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll link title. it up. We'll link it up. Yes, yeah, it's Jack yeah. Ma. What else? What else? <laughs> what else do you
2: need, son? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a turning point in my life, actually. I, I always used to read sporadically. I would read articles. I would study after university, right? To, to just make sure I'm keeping up with the times. But it didn't excite me like it does now, right? Like, I don't lose any moments walking to the train, you know, sitting in a taxi for 10, 15 minutes where I'm not learning something, right? Whether it's a quick article on New York Times or a podcast I'm, I'm listening to or an audiobook. It's, it's super exciting to think about how much knowledge you can acquire just on the go now, right? It's not like the, the old times where you had to sit down and be in a quiet place with a physical book. And one final one, I know it doesn't relate to entrepreneurship or business, but one shout out I wanna give is to Manflow Yoga. So we've been following a few really great YouTube channels, and one that keeps popping up and is, is uh, inspiring me to just. Practice yoga even for five, ten minutes on the go is this
2: one called Manflow Yoga. Yeah, by a guy named Dean, and he really focuses on kind of the fitness aspect of a yoga practice. Yeah, so shout out to Dean.
0: All right, so is there anything that we didn't touch on that you guys wanted to talk about?
2: <laughs> I think we covered a lot. We covered a lot, I mean, man. Personal, business. could be here for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Just tried not to get poured on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Um, yeah. So I think think the final piece that we didn't really touch on is like the plan from here as it relates to where we're based. So we've obviously decided to be here for the next, I'd say, two years minimum, maybe longer. But that's so that we can be really close to the factories, right? The suppliers that we're working with, the partnerships we've developed. Uh, but but at some point in the future, I think you know we both are open to the concept of hiring some folks to help us with that function so that we can be closer to the majority of our customers in the West, right? Mm-hmm. in in US and Europe. Um, that's what we're seeing mostly. Now, there is a huge growing yoga population in the male sector in Hong Kong and China as well. That's why you see pure fitness and pure yoga blossoming into China. But that's one aspect that we're we're considering uh in in the the coming years so we didn't really touch too much on that but more to come on that post kickstarter again october 22nd keep your eyes peeled wide open it's going to be absolutely incredible going for a massive campaign so we can bring more health and happiness and longer lives to all of the men out there so
0: if if people want to reach out to you where can they find you
2: so our email is just team at brutal so it's best if they just shoot us an email directly there um, yeah, it's the, the yeah. website is—that's to reach
1: us. But our website is just that brutalbuddagear.com I know it's a mouthful, so I'll quickly spell it out. It's b-r-u-t-a-l, b-u-d-d-h-a-g-e-a-r.com. All you have to do is put your first name and your email, and you'll get a series from us that'll introduce you a bit more to the product itself and what we're all about. And we'll, we'll probably have a
2: link on the, on the screen. As yeah, well. and we've got a Calendly as well. So it's just slash brutal Buddha. Yep. And you can always schedule a time to chat with us.
0: You said one o'clock in the morning. I'll be up, o- man. 5 a.m., 6 a.m. You know,
2: so. Whatever it takes. Never cancel calls. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, man. Thanks for being on the, the show, man. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys letting me crash on your couches. <laughs> yeah, there you
1: go. Thank you so much, brother. <laughs> Anytime. Namaste, man. Brutal. Namaste, right. Brutal. Bro. Namaste, Brutal.
0: All right, guys. If you like this kind of content, uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And I will see you guys next week. See you on the mat.